Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Ashadu an la ilaha illallah. Ashadu anna muhammadun rasulullah. I want to start by saying what uh, I intend out of these two days of an intense cause of Marmalat. I want to bring forward the result of all my years of work condensed into two days so that we could uh, make a statement on a subject that is the most important to the success of Islam in our time. What we will be speaking about is Muamalat. There is Ibadah and there is Muamalat. Ibadah is all the elements all the signs of the relationship between us, the slaves, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The conditions, the rules. And Muamalat is the science of the relationship between mankind within itself. Man to man, man to woman, community affairs, social affairs, political affairs, economic affairs. In terms of importance, it is enough to say that two-thirds of the fiqh is about Muamalat. And we, in the course of the next few days, we will try to bring back this knowledge which it has been neglected and sometimes ignored and in sometimes even worse, completely rewritten. This is in compliance with the world order that was created after World War II in a new society run by a new ideology called capitalism, run by banks and its legal framework, which is constitutionalism, upon which the world was ordered. In this frame of reference, the entire Muslim world is encompassed under a new system of laws we do not understand. It was just simply given to us called constitutionalism, which legalizes central banks, paper money, and national debt, the three elements that are foundational for the sustaining of this idea called the world order, upon which uh, the victors of World War II thrusters the enthusiasm and political will in order to create a range of new countries that they will succumb to these ideas and these principles. 
We are here, therefore, about a subject that has enormous relevance. Muamalat is something that cannot be avoided. It's not a subject upon which one can say, it doesn't affect me. For we are affected whether we like it or not, whether we know it or not, whether it feels comfortable or it might be terribly uncomfortable. The fact that uh, Muamalat as a science has almost banished is the fundamental reason why I'm sitting down here before you in order to outline what this science is about, what it has to offer, and much more important, how we can use it in order to overcome the obstacles that they have been thrusted upon us. The matter of Muamalat has a resounding echo in the morality of people, the prevailing morality of people. Not only will we look at the new words, not new in any sense, in fact, old words, and we will examine their meaning, but we will look at something slightly um, much more personal, which is our encounter that we have with the matters of Islam. That is to say, what is, what is Islam? How does, what does Islam have to do with my life? Which realms of my life it affects? By implication, which realms it doesn't? And this is uh, bringing about the very idea of uh, the modern religion, the modern idea of religion. Um, so this is the fact that uh, today when we speak about religion, we have assumed that uh, it is to do with personal morality. Uh, so what it um, immediately um, uh, it calls you upon is how do you behave at a personal level? Uh, how do you get dressed? Your uh, morality towards the other people, how do you, your charity, of course your ibada, and uh, uh, things relating to your sexual behavior. Uh, this, this, uh, um, encompassing of the religion, defining these terms, leaves a whole subject completely outside its definition, which is the social, the political, and economical aspects. Now, it is uh, quite uh, emphatically said in that um, religion should have nothing to do with uh, politics, for example. It is equally being said that uh, Islam has nothing to do, religion, but 
even Islam sometimes, it's been said that it has nothing to do with economics. We have been told, in fact, that there's no Islamic model of economics, and some people have suggested that there's no political model of, of, uh, in Islam either. Uh, this is only just but symptoms of um, the, how, over the last 100 years, the definition of religion has been modified. Uh, within the legal frame of uh, the constitution, economic, political, even legal matters, are excluded from religion. This is within the context of what is known as secular religion. Within that context, the legal frame of the nation is given by the constitution, a man-made, humanistically, in philosophy, inspired in the West, written in the West, that demands a number of uh, features re uh, reflecting their own ideology, humanist ideology, such as, for example, as mentioned earlier. Those three elements, foundational to capitalism, central bank, paper money, and national debt, and uh, other elements, including taxation, the right to tax, citizenship, that means the exclusion of any other person, and the definition of uh, citizenship on the basis of legal status, regardless of religion. Um, things like um, the existing of a, a military, a professional military force, the incapacity of, uh, of the citizens to arm themselves, etc. These ideas which are new, they are all in all the constitutions. Then Islam has to breathe and has to live within this frame, as if it were, Islam has to survive inside the prison. Those who rejected the constitutions, they were excluded. So the only people left were the people who lived in the, inside the prison, who developed an Islam that it had no issues regarding economic. It could not contradict the central bank. It could not contradict paper money. So automatically, by default, without any consideration other than there is nothing we can do, the central bank becomes halal. The paper money becomes halal. National debt becomes halal. And this is without saying, just by default. Consequently, you pay zakat, with paper money. Consequently, you develop banks. Consequently, we accept loans from IMF, etc., 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 without thinking, because we are living inside the prison. Now, the biggest problem will be to identify the prison, but nobody is allowed to say the constitution is haram. Now, the problem is, is that you get we are reducing and reducing and reducing and reducing the subject that you want to investigate, which is Islam, the subject that is your freedom, which is your religion, which is the basis of who you are. 
So Islam gets reduced and nobody even realized. <laughs> in the same way that somebody born inside a prison would not understand what does it mean to walk in the mountains. The idea of freedom is to walk inside the cell. He doesn't miss anything because he hasn't experienced anything. He doesn't know that paper money is a fraud because he hasn't seen anything else. <laughs> so the next thing is that you have to suppress the subject. It has to not be taught. It has to be taken away from the madrasas. That was easy. You just had to let the pondocs and the pesantrans and the traditional madrasas die. And the new education system be brought that it will simply ignore the subject. Instead, economics will be brought into the curriculum in order to justify that riba is halal. As simple as that. Then the unthinkable will take place, which is within the prison, some people will say the constitution is Islamic, democracy is Islamic, central bank is Islamic, paper money is Islamic, Islamization. This is not only just ignoring the subject, this is rewriting the subject. This is no longer ignoring what the Sharia has to say. This is rewriting the Sharia in order to fit with this prison. Under this name, you have Bank Islam, insurance, halal insurance, Islamic Dow Jones, Islamic Futures, Islamic Sukup, Islamic Interest, Islamic everything. They are not making capitalism compliant to the Sharia. This is making the Sharia compliant to capitalism. This is not a reform of capitalism. This is a reform of the Sharia, explicitly so. This is not hidden, it is stated. The people who started this reform did not come from Malaysia. They came from Egypt. We know their names. We know the genealogy of these ideas. We know how they were generated. We know what it was said. I'm among these people. They were quite open to say, we, the reformers, are the Protestants, what the Protestants, the Catholic Protestants, the Christian Protestants, are to the Catholics. We are the Protestants of Islam. Al-Afghani stated, I am the Luther of the East. They did what the, the Protestants did to Christianity. They made Riva Halal. They created Christian banks, <laughs> just like these people did Islamic banks. And then they temper with the personal religion, making the small things big and the big things small, Puritanism. 
we live under this spell. And this is what makes this subject so important. We are in a capitalist society, perhaps breathing its last days of uh, existence, facing its largest crisis since its exception 300 years ago. Capitalism is dying. Not because we have done anything of any merit to destroy it, as we should, but because they have done it themselves. And this is because Allah has declared war on river, that doom, capitalism cannot prosper. It has no light, it has no power, it has no force, it has no strength. It's dead. It was dead from day one. It is, it is where it is, out of darkness, not of our strength. It derives more of its prestige from us doing nothing than what, by what they are doing themselves. And in the eve of this uh, end of uh, capitalism, Certainly, the biggest crisis capitalism have ever had. Islam stands unique in its capacity to understand the nature of the problem and unique in offering the solutions to these problems. We are not the only ones in the world saying capitalism doesn't work. In fact, there are more people in the West criticizing the banks than there is in the Muslim lands. There are people protesting, young men protesting in, in the cities of Western Europe saying that banks are evil when we are still Islamizing banks. There are more people in the United States saying the US dollar is a fraud, don't you see, is a fraud, than in Saudi Arabia or in Pakistan. There are people in the United States that says the Federal Reserve Bank has to go. It is cheating its own people and the world. Well, we still entrench ourselves in trying to Islamize central banks. A task that I'm afraid, even with all the imagination of these Islamic bankers, it will be very hard to do. But uh, give them time. So we are not the only people criticizing capitalism. It's the West that is becoming more vigorously, saying the banks are bad. And the understanding of riba, of usury, is coming back to the surface. There are more and more people, because I've been in this affair for many years, and I have met all the different individuals speaking on this subject, and I know many of them personally, I know that they have, the discourse has evolved. It used to be a group of 
small group of intellectuals who will bring this matter forward. Now there are, we have senators, professors in the university, there are PhDs on the subject. There are more PhDs today in the United States about gold standard than any other subject in economics. Gold standard is the new fashion. People want to know how do we go back to something that makes sense. In Malaysia, where still our PhD is how to Islamize in, you know, the stock exchange, uh, some other new derivative product in the stock exchange. This is where the money is going. This is where the heads are going. So probably it would be better to say, not only we are not the only people speaking about river, there are people more advanced in criticizing river than we are. But we still are unique on account of one thing the Kufar cannot put together. It doesn't matter how much they criticize capitalism, they cannot offer a sound alternative. They cannot produce a solution. I have looked extensively into the writings of the leading people criticizing capitalism today, and I have seen bits and pieces bits and pieces of the matter that is at stake that we are going to encounter over these 16 hours. But there is no solution. Some say paper money is a fraud. It's a worthless piece of paper. If you go to YouTube today, there, there, there's probably 100 a television this small programs telling you everything that you need to know about paper money. Its origins, fractional reserve banking, why it doesn't, it doesn't stand as value, why it evolved into nothing, it is returning to nothing, why it is a, it is a, its value is deriving upon political compulsion, etc., etc. Different angles, but all coming to more or less the same idea. Paper money is a fraud. Tons of material. I mean, some of them better than others, but in general, enough to give you an impression that there is a problem, at least there is a problem. When it comes to the matters of Riva, the, 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 there are several options. There are some people that say, among the Kufar, paper money is bad, but the banks are good. Okay, we have a problem with that. This will be the gold standard group, a large group of people, that they believe we just change the money, but we keep the banks. So we do fractional reserve, but instead of being backed by paper money, we do it with gold. And then the problem is when they try to define 100% reserves, for they have a difficulty in trying to then explain how that bank is going to function, become operational or profitable altogether. They have missing bits. There are some people that say, Riva is haram, Amanda Kufar, but paper money is wonderful. So they show some examples throughout history where some regimes have resorted to the elimination of river, but they use paper money in order to incentivate growth. In fact, among the Kufar, you have every conceivable opinion. You have different degrees of everything. They do not have a template. They cannot go to Christianity in search for a model. They don't have it. The Jews either, they don't have a model. 
They had one, but they cannot articulate. It is lost. The idea of that original society is lost. It's only fragments. They have to, they have to figure out what is in between, like a puzzle that is incomplete. And they just start putting stuff that doesn't belong because they don't have the full picture. Now, here, we stand as the only community with the real book given the authority by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to lead the world with the text, with the mandate, with the template of how to do it. And still, we don't know. We don't know because they are not teaching it. Not because it's difficult to understand, as you will see. Because it has been ignored. It's been put under the blanket in favor of Islamization. These monsters out there on the television, writing the books in the public debates, with the biggest smile in the face, trying to sell you the next Islamic future, the next Islamic derivative, the further expansion of Islamic banking, the further integration of Islam inside capitalism. That's what you get. That's why you don't know about Muhammad. That's why when we say Goldinar, it's only a handful of people who understand. That's why I have spent 25 years, 30 years now, teaching ulama what is Goldinar. Not people in Malaysia, Arabs, because dinar is Arab, it's an Arabic word. And I don't speak Arabic fluently. But I have taught the word dinar to the Arabs because they did not know what it was. The dirham, they did not know what it was. And I've been doing it consistently with all of them. I don't remember anyone of the hundreds of ulema that I have met. That when I told them Mahada, they had to wait until I told them, and then they giggle. They say, oh, dinar, yeah, yeah, like in the old days, right? This is what we will be discussing, discussing over the next 15 hours now. This is the importance of what is at stake. It's about future. Where we are faced with two possibilities. Before the crisis that is coming, imminently coming. An economic crisis much bigger than 1929. The largest capitalism has ever faced. Crises are integral to capitalism. One can say capitalism goes from crisis to crisis. It grows by crisis. <laughs> well, the one that is coming is, is one long overdue, resisted with passion, but inevitably coming, mathematically coming. It's just there's nothing you can do. Obama has lost the last bullets of defense. There is no, the, the next wave will not have bailouts mathematically. What he's done is so unprecedented. This man, he has printed more money than any other 
of all of all the other presidents put together. More dollars have come into the existence of the world in the last eight years than everything, anything that it was there before. He has doubled the national debt of the United States. Unprecedented figures, unprecedented stream solutions to a problem that in fact it wasn't that big. It's just a, a section of the bigger problem, which is derivatives, just in a small section called subprime uh, uh, assets. These, these mortgages, these subprime mortgages that they had been packaged uh, together with uh, in uh, several layers of quality in order to be sellable, toxic assets, they started to fall apart and they created a chain's reaction. But uh, that only touched a section of the problem, which is much, much, much larger. So, just on account of what we have seen recently, if that little part of the body got sick and this is what happened, what is now coming is a systemic breakdown. There will be no money in the world to save it. It is in the eve of these events that we have to look at ourselves and we have to say, do we, will we follow the tales of the Kufar into disaster? Or we will rise with the light given by Rasul Sallallahu and lead the world, liberate the world from the monsters that they have taken over. We will fall alongside with the Kufar or we will raise, rise above the nations with a message of freedom, of liberation against the slavery of river and the banks. This conference is to lay down the basis upon which a flag of Islam may rise again against river in the battle of river upon which we have the unique certainty of knowing its outcome. For Allah himself has declared war on river. And therefore, there's no question about who the winner is. What we will be laying down here is the basis, the sources, the understanding, the institutions, the inner structures, the functions of these institutions that created the pre-capitalist model that we know as Mamalat, based on the model of the Amal of the Ahl al-Medina, the city of Medina, where Rasul Sallallahu established the first Muslim community. This is the task for before us, and this is what we will systematically try to cover. Now, regarding how I intend to bring this matter forward, I have decided to cover it following a, a natural logic in, 
in the explaining anything in, in Islam is starting from the most simple, more fundamental basis and expanding into the details as we go along. And we will end up the session on the second day focusing on strategies and tactics into how it is possible to bring about these institutions of Muhammad. <laughs>